0: Last week of our Road to Freedom series, and uh, let me tell you right up front that God has been doing a tremendous work through this series. My prayer at the very beginning of this series and leading up to this series was that God would allow us to experience the freedom that is already ours in Christ Jesus. Uh, We are made free through faith in Christ, but oftentimes freedom is not easy to live into. It's, It's sometimes difficult to experience. And so during this series, we've been giving you practical tools. I've been giving you freedom foundations. And the feedback that I'm hearing back from you is that, God is doing tremendous work, and we want to hear about it. So we have uh, created an email address for you to send us your story. Tell us how God has impacted you, and uh, email it to the roadfc.org. We want to hear about God's work in your life. Now, some of you are already tempted to believe that God's work in your life is not worthy enough to share. And you think that in order to share it, it has to be this dramatic story about how you were addicted to drugs and you were on the edge of death three days ago and then God delivered you and now you're experiencing the freedom that is in Christ. And you're like, that's not me, so it's not deserving of an email. Yes, it is. God's work in your life needs to be proclaimed and needs to be told why? Two reasons. When you share your story, it solidifies God's work in your heart and it gives him praise. If you, if you don't declare your story then you're robbing God of praise that he deserves among his people and his community. You can give him praise, and there may be a small group of people that know what God is doing, but how much more could we praise God together if you told us that story? And how much more, if you told that story, it would it solidify God's work in your own heart? So we encourage you, send that email, at org, and we are so excited uh, to hear about God's work in your life through this series. Uh, and that's- a, that's a, that's a, a standing email. So anytime that God moves in your life through the ministry of this church, through the ministry of another church, we don't care if God is working in your life We want to help you give him praise, and we want to help solidify his work in your life, okay? So sharing your story is so important, uh, regardless of how dramatic or undramatic you think it is. Promise me, anytime God forms and shapes and transforms a heart, it's dramatic, and we want to hear about it, okay? I've said too much about that already. Uh, We've been giving you freedom foundations, because I don't think that you need steps. Uh, You you don't need uh, a guide to freedom uh, or anything like that, because a lot of times you'll fulfill those steps. You'll walk through that formula it will you 'll have success for a season, then you'll end up dropping off the bus, so to speak, and, and you'll you'll be guilty and, and and it just won't be the result that we're looking for. So rather than give you a formula to freedom, rather than give you steps to freedom, we're giving you freedom foundations that will place you on the road to experiencing greater and greater levels of freedom in Christ. And uh, I want to walk through the three freedom foundations that we've been giving you uh, each week. Uh, The first week of this series, uh, our first Sunday back after the new year, and uh, we are well into the new year, and it feels like that we're we're just an old hat here in 2012. Uh, but insecurity is, was the fir- how we started this series. And uh, the Freedom Foundation was, my father says. My father says. And what we talked about is the measuring stick by which you and the culture measure your value and your worth is different than the measuring stick that God uses. He's on a totally different plane. He's on a totally different level. He created you. He loves you. He calls you valuable. And so in our moments of insecurity, if we will rest on the foundation of this is what my father says about me, it will help boost us into confidence in Christ. Not confidence in ourselves and what we're able to accomplish on our own, but confidence in Christ. Now the second week, we looked at anxiety And then the Freedom Foundation was this. Don't trust the plan, trust the person. Because so many times the, the anxiety, the worry that comes in our life comes from not knowing exactly how this thing is going to play out. We, whether it's a situation, whether it's my life after school and graduation, whether it's what is this going to happen with this job, what we would want in order. Sometimes we, we, would, we ask God to reveal the whole plan to us so that I can trust you. And God says, trust me first, and then I will begin revealing the plan. And so the Freedom Foundation is don't trust in the plan, trust in the person. And then last week, we looked at the difficult topic of addiction. And uh, we talked about how addiction, whatever it is, whatever your drug of choice is, is ultimately just the symptom. The disease is idolatry. Where we're looking to that thing, that substance, that person, those images, to fulfill something and to do something that they were never intended to do and, in fact, cannot do. That's the root of addiction. And so our freedom foundation was this. My God can do what my drug never could. My God can do what my drug never could. That if we will seek God to fulfill in more honest and authentic ways that which we're looking for when we practice or, or participate in, in our addiction, then we will find freedom in Christ. Today I want to talk about something that is uh, equally as as heavy and difficult as addiction and and i want to talk to you today about money and uh, i've been telling you about that i haven't i haven't hidden it from you and so you all are here hungry to hear god's word and what he says about money and uh yes yeah thank you that's uh, that is such an encouragement you know a couple of you are on fire and a couple of you are like i don't know what to do i don't know what else to do on sunday morning it's just a habit to come to church so here i am and i wish i wasn't here right that's not you. You guys are hungry for God's word. And uh, so I want to talk to you about money today. And um, listen, listen to this. Um, I want to let you know up, up front that, that uh, the Bible says a lot about money. And, and money is one of those things that we don't like to talk about. Uh, we don't like to talk about in our personal lives among one another. Uh, when was the last time that you and your friends got together and you were like, Hey, man, what's your budget look like? <laughs> Are you in debt? <laughs> Man, that's too bad. Me too. Like, crazy debt, you know? Uh, and it's killing me. In fact, I'm about to get a divorce. I'm about to be, you know, you know I'm, I'm about to lose my house, whatever. You know, you know, we don't talk about money. We don't talk about it among our friends. And we certainly don't talk about it at church. But the Bible talks about it a lot. And so we need to talk about it. And uh, that's what we're going to do today. Let me tell you right up front. We're not starting a building campaign today. Okay? At the end of this thing, uh, it's not going to be like, and this is a great day to give because we're building a new building. Uh, None of that stuff, all right? Uh, In fact, let me say this right up front. The church doesn't even need or want your money. I don't want anything from you today. But I do want something for you. Because God wants us to experience freedom in every area of our life. And every area of our life means our finances as well. As much as we don't like to talk about it, as much as we like to just pretend that we don't even need money in this world, right? Or sometimes we we put too much emphasis on money. Wherever it is, we're not starting a building campaign today. I don't want anything from you, but I do want something for you. I want your life and your heart to be transformed by God, that he might be the Lord Over your finances. Because ultimately, yes, we're going to talk about money. But ultimately, what we're going to be talking about today is your heart. Because your heart reveals how you spend money. Jesus said this. He said that the primary enemy of our heart or the primary contender for our hearts is money. In Matthew chapter Let me get in here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so it's sometimes when we come to talk about money, it's pretty difficult and it's not easy to hear. And remember last week when we were talking about addiction, I said a a, a quote from the famous preacher Whitfield who said, it is a poor sermon that gives no offense. Some of you today will be offended. Some of you will be angry as we talk about money and what God's word says about money. And the reason is because we're not just talking about the green stuff that is our currency and our culture. For many of you, when when we say things and when we talk about what the Bible says about money you're offended you're upset and you get mad and you rationalize because we're talking about your God and that's why it's an offense and so it's going to get a little uncomfortable in here But it's all good, all right? It's all good. Let's just all agree right now to be a little bit uncomfortable, work our way through this, and allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, as I believe that he wants to do and he desires to do. So it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, But I tell you what, when it comes to money, it reveals our hearts. It doesn't matter what you say with your lips. If you show me your checkbook, if you show me your, your, your bank statement, then I can tell you precisely where your priorities lie and where your heart is. It doesn't matter what you say. If you show me that bank statement, I can say precisely what your priorities are. Our bank statement and our calendar reveal our hearts more than anything else. And so what we're talking about today is an issue of the heart. And the pursuit of money and the pursuit of stuff that money can buy in our culture has hit an absolute breakneck pace in our culture. I mean, one of the, the God in our culture is money. And anything that money can buy or anything that comes from money, like power, maybe influence, you walk into a room and you look like you have a lot of money, then you get this false sense of security, you get a false sense of, of empowerment, and all of these sorts of things, all the things that we should be looking to God for, we often get if we just have a big, fat checkbook. And so we pursue those things that money that we perceive money as bringing and we we uh, pursue money itself listen to the, some of these statistics on average americans carry $8,400 in credit card debt now that's not total debt that's just credit card debt on average in america $8,400 worth of credit card debt 40% of all americans spend more than they make on a regular basis, which is why they're $8,400 in credit card debt, right? 40% of Americans spend more than they earn. 96% of Americans will be fully dependent upon the government when they retire. 96% will be fully dependent on government support when they retire. Money has become a God in our culture. And the Bible has a lot to say about money and how it relates to our hearts. And so we want to talk about that today. In fact, let me give you just a couple of thoughts uh, about this related to the heart. It says In Psalm 62.10, it says, If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Psalm 62.10, if riches increase, do not set your heart on it. And John Wesley, a great theologian, said this, When I have money, I get rid of it quickly, lest it find its way into my heart. And if you study the life of John Wesley, you know that he's not buying big screen TVs, he's giving it away. Right? When When I come into money, and when I have money, I get rid of it quickly, lest it find its way. Into my heart. Now throughout the series. I've waited until the very end. To give you the freedom foundation like everything was kind of a build-up to that one sentence that would, that would hopefully stick in our hearts and, and send us out with, with hope and, and with tools for freedom. But I want to flip that around today. Today I want to give you your freedom foundation right up front because I believe that the freedom foundation that I want to give you, the rest of the sermon is going to begin to flesh that out more. And so here it is. Your freedom foundation for this week is this. I have stewardship... God has ownership. I have stewardship, and God has ownership. I'll tell you what, if we could realize that, if we could just get a handle on that and our, our financial life would begin to, to, to have an absolute turnaround, that we would begin to experience greater and greater levels of freedom financially, if we would simply realize that all that I have has been given to me by God. Ultimately, He is the owner. I don't care if you consider yourself to be just a little bit blessed or if you can consider yourself to be a whole lot blessed. Everything that you have is a gift from God. And what you're called to is not ownership. What you're called to is stewardship. Or I'm going to make up a word to help us understand stewardship. Managership. Okay? And I'm a preacher, so I can make up words whenever and however I want to. All right? So managership is what you have. Stewardship. I have stewardship. God has ownership. If we could just get that straight, it would transform our lives it would transform our lives. That's your freedom foundation. So whether it comes to finances, whether it comes to time, whether it comes to skills and abilities, all of that has been given to you by God. And he is calling you to manage it well for his glory. Your time, back in the old days, we used to say your, your time, your talent, and your treasure. Because back in the old days, we really liked, um, what's it called, alliteration. And so we're like, time, treasure, uh, talent, doesn't matter. It all belongs to God. It's, 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 it's you know kind of goofy alliteration, but it's true. All of that has been given to you by God, and he's asked you to manage it well for his glory. And so, in fact, I take, I take stewardship so seriously in, in my in my whole life that oftentimes before Sunday morning or on Sunday morning before service starts, I will ask that God will help us as a church to be good stewards over the people that he sends. And if you're a first-time guest today, I hope you have found this place to be warm, to be welcoming, to a place where you feel like you can connect with other people, where you can connect with God through worship and the word. It is very serious to me that we as a church steward our ministry well. And I'm not just talking about the budget. I'm talking about a standard of excellence, regardless of the size of our church, that when you come, you see that everything that we do is to present Christ as Savior, to honor Him, to give Him our best so that you might know Him. And that, in my opinion, is good stewardship when it comes to a ministry of our church. And some of you need to take that same mindset and move it into your work. You don't like your work, and so you kind of work about halfway while you're there, and uh, you're just kind of like, oh, I don't even care about this place. And, I, you know, and, and God says, do everything as unto the Lord, and you're being a bad steward at work. I told you it would be uncomfortable. See, some of you are like, oh, he was in my neighborhood, but then he pulled into my driveway, and he knew the garage code. He went into the living room, sat down, and pulled out of the fridge and got himself a drink. Okay? I told you it would be uncomfortable. But it's all good. It's all good. We're going to do all right. Three, Three principles for living out financial freedom. And uh, freedom that that will build on this freedom foundation of I have stewardship and God has ownership. And you knew this was coming. So let's all just embrace it. The first principle is the tithe. There, I said it. The tithe. What is the tithe? Tithe is 10% of your income. And some of you are like giving 3% and you say, I tithe. No, you don't. Tithe is 10%. You might give to the church, and that's good, and that's great, but don't say that you tithe because the word tithe literally means 10th. Okay, so let's talk about this. It's out of Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. I want to read them. They'll be up on the screen as well. It says this, Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have churned away from God and from my decrees, and you have not kept them, but return to me And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how will we return? Will a mere mortal rob God, and yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? And God's reply is this, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. This is not good news today, but it's truth. If you are not tithing, your finances are cursed. You're holding your financial life and your financial freedom underwater through disobedience to God and his call to tithe. Now, I know a pastor is not supposed to say that, but I didn't say it. God did. Don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. Okay? Starting with verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Says the Lord Almighty, this is the only place in Scripture where God says, bring it. Right? Test me in this. Come on. It's like God saying, go ahead. Try it. And what's this? Test me. Let's keep reading. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it. And I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Malachi 3, 7 through 11. The tithe out of this passage of scripture is 10% of your income into the storehouse. And the storehouse is the local church. 10% of your income to the local church. Now, I want to give you some arguments against the tithe because, uh, you know, truthfully, uh, I hear these a lot. I have believed these from time to time. And uh, I want to just walk through some of the arguments that people have against tithing. And the first one is quite sophisticated. And, And many times people will come up to me and be like, Pastor, I would tithe, but that's under the law in the Old Testament. And I am a New Testament Christian. And I, am, I live by grace and not by the law. That is very sophisticated on your part. But let me give you just a little bit of perspective. Under grace, things always go further than they ever did under the law. Under grace, God, Jesus never takes the law and then backs up and says, you know, the law probably went just a little bit too far. And so let me, reveal the, the, you know, let me reveal the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. The law was here, and actually the grace lifestyle is over here. Jesus never does that. Jesus says the law was here, and under grace we are to live here. Let me give you some examples. The law says... Do not commit adultery. But grace and Jesus in the New Testament says, do not look at the opposite sex with lust in your heart. He says it doesn't even matter what you do or if you commit kind of a physical adultery. Jesus is saying that's the law, but under grace, this is how we're to live. Don't even look lustfully at someone of the opposite sex or the same sex, I guess, in our culture. Don't let lust operate in your heart. That's a lot further than the law ever went. He's not backing that thing up. He's moving it way forward. The law says you should not kill. But Jesus says do not have an angry attitude in your heart against anyone. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In your anger, do not sin. Jesus takes the law and moves it far past. Where it w- Takes the law and moves it way past under grace in the New Testament. Under the law, the, a lamb was sacrificed once a year for the payment of sin in the New Testament. Jesus himself becomes the lamb and is sacrificed once and for all and for all time to cover not only the sins of the people present and past, but in the future. So in the Old Testament, sure, let's take a lamb who is clean and pure and let's sacrifice him once a year to cover the sins of the people. But Jesus says in the New Testament, I will become that lamb and die for the sin of the world. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally and you've not made a faith commitment to him, may I proclaim to you the good news that he has died for you, that he has covered your sin through his grace and that he has given his Holy Spirit that you might live but that you might live fully devoted to him and his ways. And that doesn't mean that you'll always live that out perfectly, but it does mean that you will have a helper, that you will have a friend, that you will have the God of the universe on your side, that the power that, that, that brought Jesus out of the grave will live within you. You can overcome that addiction. You can experience financial freedom. You can be free from insecurity and anxiety. All of that, the foundation of this series is that we are living life with Christ who loves you. The the gr- grace in the New Testament always goes way further than the law ever did. And so it doesn't make any sense to say... Since it's in the law, law, then I'm not required to do it in the New Testament as I live under grace. In fact, it would say, if the law requires 10%, that's a great starting point for generosity in your life. That's a great starting point for for giving in your life and of your finances. That's a great place to start. But if we're going to live under grace, let's not stay there for very long and let's move into radical generosity as grace requires of us. And so... Don't use grace as an excuse to give less and not more. Because grace and love will always take you further than the law ever could. Now, the other thing that I hear about the tithe is, I tithe in other ways. I tithe in other ways. Do you mean like besides money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, Like I volunteer at the church, man. Uh, You know, I'm on the the worship team. I'm leading a life group. And I'm even on a cleaning team. Man, when nobody's looking, I am scrubbing toilets at the church. Don't tell me that I have to tithe because I'm doing all of this other stuff. I give in other ways. Or I, I read my Bible more than I used to. Or some people, I read my Bible more than I should. Really? You read your Bible more than you should? And so you don't have to tithe like you're exempt from from this command of God to give to the local church because you read your Bible more than you should. That's awesome, man. I'm a life group leader. I'm giving in other ways. I don't have to tithe. Some people, I deduct my gas money on my way to the church while I'm volunteering. I deduct that amount from my tithe. Because, you know, I'm on my way to the church to volunteer. And so instead of giving $10, I give $9.43. Listen, man, if your heart is that calculating, then there is something going on there. Let me say this to you. It's like, that is like, let me illustrate it this way. That's like going to rob a house. And while you're robbing it, the cops come in and they, they, they're ready to take you to jail because you're breaking into this house. You know, you're breaking and entering. And you're like, oh, hold on, officer. I didn't speed on the way here. Now, some of you didn't get that, so let me boil it down for you a little bit more. <laughs> Obedience in one area of your life does not cover or excuse disobedience in another. Right? And that's what some of you are trying to do. Well, like I'm doing really well over here. And, and I followed God's calling to lead a life group over here. And, and I'm giving in all these ways. And, and, and you know I'm doing all this stuff for God. And that's great. You're being obedient to God. But that does not excuse or cover the disobedience in your life regarding to your finances. That is precisely like robbing a house and telling the officer, but I didn't break a speeding limit on the way here. And the officer is not going to say, oh, well, go ahead. Dude, I didn't, I mean, I, I thought since you were robbing a house, I just assumed that you sped over here. Right? He's not going to let us off the hook. Obedience in one area of, your, of our life does not excuse or cover disobedience in another way, another area of our life. And so saying that I tithe in other ways is saying essentially to the tithe and the principle of tithing and giving in Scripture, yeah, I'm, I'm exempt because I do this other stuff. All right? It is a poor sermon that gives no offense. That is my mantra today, right? That, I am living off of that because I'm not hearing very many amens and that's all right. I didn't expect a lot, okay? Some of you, and, and truly this one is heartfelt and I don't want to, um, I don't want to minimize your situation, uh, but so many people come to me and they say, you know, pastor, I would like to tithe, but the truth is I can't afford to tithe. Like there is simply no room in the budget every dollar that i have each month is going out. And and i want to i want to give you just a little bit per, bit of perspective. And first of all i would say that God can do way more with a blessed and obedient 90% than you could ever do with the 100% that you're holding on to. Okay? God is a good God. He's a faithful God. He's an all-sufficient God, and he can meet your need when you walk in by faith through obedience. He can do far more than you ever with that 90%, than you ever could with that 100% and and some of you some of you can testify to this some of you have come to a point in your life where your finances are out of control and you don't know what else to do you don't know what else to churn god spoke to you in those moments and he said you need to, to regardless of what the budget says regardless of what the financial counselor is saying whatever what, regardless of what other people are saying you need to be obedient to me you need to tithe and you you said okay god i'm gonna do it you wrote that check and your hand was shaken and it was like the the worst check you've ever written and you were so nervous and you gave it to the church and then god blessed that and god what followed through on his scripture and began to open up the 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 the, the blessing to you not that all of a sudden by a week uh, the next week you were driving a mercedes but the next week your needs were met when you never thought they could be god is good god is faithful and if you will walk in, by faith and through obedience in this area that what he says in Malachi is either true or it's not. And I believe it is. Let me also give you a little bit of this perspective. Uh, saying that I, will, I can't afford to tithe or I'll, I'll tithe when I can afford it is a bit like saying we'll have kids when we're ready. You ain't never ready for kids, all right? I mean, there's, you just like, the thing pops out and you're like, here we go. <laughs> it's mine, you know? And trust me, if you wait till you're ready to have kids, you're never going to have kids. Because they don't come with an instruction manual. You just got to figure that thing out all on its own. And once you have two, you realize that one is not like the other. And you were like, you had this thing where you could like, you know, hit a, you know, just like certain pressure point And then boom, they fall asleep. The next kid, you're like pressure point and they don't do it. I'm just kidding about the pressure points too. I don't do that. <laughs> Some of you are looking at you. Some of you are like ready to call me in or something like like, you, you know, you get like this certain kind of like swiggle down, you know, for the first kid. And then it's like, then it never works with a second kid. Trust me, if you wait until you're ready, you'll never have kids. If you wait until you can afford to tithe, I, I know one thing about you, you'll never tithe. It's a step of faith. College students, you're like, man, if I tithe, I'd be given like two bucks a week. And so I'm just going to keep my $2. It's not going to make any difference to the church. not going to make any difference to me. It makes a difference to God because you're walking in obedience. And some of you think that when you don't make much money, it will be easier to give when you make more. It's exactly the opposite. If you're you're bringing home like 50 bucks a week at your uh, job at Chick-fil-A, then you need to be tithing on that money because it will only get harder as you make more money. Start giving now. And watch, and then watch that faithfulness walk through as you make more and more throughout life. Start doing it now. All right. Are we good? I, I got a few more thoughts on this, all right? I'm going to preach a real long time today, so just settle in. The storehouse, again, is the local church. And every time the Bible mentions the tithe, it's going to the local church. Because the other thing that I hear, probably the thing that I hear most often, is I tithe a little bit here, a little bit there, but overall I'm giving 10%. And biblically, every time a tithe is given, it is given to the local church. And in Malachi, it's called to go to the storehouse, which... Years of biblical interpretation have affirmed that that is the local church. Why should you give to the church? Because it is God's ordained plan to bring hope to the world. And 200 years from now, that organization that you're giving to and that you're tithing to, it won't be around. But the church will still be thriving. The church will still be changing lives for the gospel. The church will still be here. She will be beautiful as she is today. The church is God's ordained plan to bring his message to the world. There is no better investment of your tithe. There is no better investment in the kingdom of God than the local church because it is God's plan to bring hope to the world. Well, I don't trust the church with my money. Then find another church because you should not church. You should not trust us with your the care of your spiritual life. If you can't trust us to spend your money well. And so if you don't trust us, I understand that. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you about that. I'd be happy to show you our budgets and our receipts. There's no secrets here financially in our church. But if you don't trust us financially, then I would encourage you to find another church because I can't speak into your life if you don't trust what we're doing with your money. And so the local church is where the tithes should go local church and let me say this again in, in malachi god says this you're robbing me in tithes and offerings and you are under a curse because you are robbing me by refusing to walk in obedience and by faith through giving a tithe you are holding your financial life underwater and some of you are like i just can't get ahead And it's because you're not walking in obedience to God in this area. I know I'm preaching boldly about this. And let me reiterate that I don't want anything from you. I want freedom for you. You know, in this recession, where everybody's like freaking out financially, every year, the giving in this church has increased significantly significantly we've been able to do things in the last year or two that we would never even dream of doing four years ago. And it's because of your faithfulness and it's because of your obedience. We're doing okay financially. We're not rich, but we're doing okay. And so I'm not here, to. I'm not not sitting here saying, man, I really need an increase in salary. Could some of you tithe? That's not it at all. I'm saying I want freedom for you in your life. So walk in obedience to God. I want something for you today. Way more than I want something from you. All right. The, second, the first principle, tithe. The second principle is generosity. Now, aren't those the same thing? Tithe is walking in obedience to God. And generosity is living into what Jesus calls us to in the New Testament. Again, Tithe is sort of like this great starting ground. And if you're not there today, I would encourage you, your first step of giving is an act of obedience through the tithe. But if you've been tithing for years and years and years, and you're not, you're not increasing that giving through offering, then, then you're not walking into the freedom that God has for you. You're not walking into the way of Jesus and the grace that he has that will call you a beyond, so much further beyond the tithe. God wants us to live generous lives. Anything that you give over and above the tithe is an offering. That's what we, we say we want to take or receive. I, by the way, I, this is just a habit, but I don't agree with taking the tithe and the offering. It's like we're, it's like we're not passing a plate. We're like <laughs> taking it, right? So I try, to, I try as much as I can to say we're, it's time to receive God's tithe and our offering. That's the theologically correct way to say that as we do that. We want to receive God's tithe and, and our offering. And the offering is living into more and more and greater levels of generosity in our life. And the offering can go wherever you want. The tithe goes to the local church, biblically. Moving into a life of generosity and increasing our offering, and the more that we give goes wherever you want. Amy and I tithe to this church. Obviously, I would hope so, right? We tithe to this church, but then we also support uh, a a young lady who's working with refugees in Athens, Greece. We, We for a while supported a child through Compassion International. We do other things that are over and above our tithe here as a way of expressing and moving into the generosity that God has for us. And I would love for us to see as a community having generosity absolutely unleashed. And let me tell you this about generosity. Generosity is not just financially, right? When we talk about the tithe, you need to tithe the money. That's what we're talking about. Generosity, yes, you can give greater levels of of finances, but what happens, and again, this is not about money so much as it is about the heart. God wants us to have a generous heart, and so many of us, because we have a clenched fist financially, we have a clenched fist in other areas of our life. Can I borrow that? Nope. What are you doing? Can you, can, do you have time to help out here? No. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have proper boundaries in your life, but are you living your life with a generous heart? Are you generous with your things? Are you generous with your time? Does, is generosity a mark on your life? Or is it not? The Bible says in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You want to talk about a generous God who has given us so much. It is not about listening to me because i'm yelling at you and flapping my wings it is about giving to mock and, and, and imitate the character of god that every time you give every time you tithe every time you're generous with your finances every time you're generous with your tithe you are being formed and shaped more and more into god's character because who is god god is a giver So I would encourage us to unleash generosity, to serve one another, to serve others, and to live with generous hearts. And generosity is not seeing a need and then telling the church about it. Generosity is not seeing a need and then taking tithe money to meet that need. Generosity is seeing a need and meeting it. Generosity is seeing a need and meeting it. Now, we as a church, our, our position is we want to be in a position to begin to help and, 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 and meet needs that we become aware of. But I wonder how many times someone calls the church, makes, them, makes the church aware of a need when they themselves have could have met that need directly. That's my heart for us as a community. Yes, tell us if there's a need and we want to be able to help. Don't misunderstand me today. But is God calling you to meet that need? So oftentimes we make the call to the church, we call the pastor, there's a need over here, and then we we think we're all good. Did my part. And God is saying, I don't want your hands clean. I want your hands dirty with generosity. Let Let me illustrate generosity to you this way. Uh, Jaden and I play this uh, this game called Zingo. It's a bingo with a zing. Come on, if that doesn't bless somebody, I, you're not alive today. Bingo with a zing. And the way it works is um, you have these two cards. And, uh, you know, they have different things. And uh, they often have common things, right? And the way that the game plays is one person uh, quickly moves this and reveals two Uh, Little coins like that. And uh, the idea of the game is to, once the the coins are revealed, is to find if you have a match, and it's a race to get it. So, for example, if you both have a bunny on your card, you would race to get the bunny. Complicated game. Any questions? Any questions? Okay. So, Jaden and I are playing this, and when you're playing with a three-year-old, it's not so much a race as, Jaden, you have a bunny. Please get it. You know, so it's not quite. We're not quite there with the with the racing part. Uh, but we're we're playing along, and and uh, the way it turns out every time, I promise you, this has happened every time. We will both need two places to fill. One of those places will be the same, and two of them are different. It will come up where. Jaden, where I need one, the one that I have different, that's not the same, the one that I have different, Jaden will already have. And so it is revealed here. I need a worm, and here is a worm. But she already has a worm. Without fail, she will say, Daddy, you can have my worm. I'm like, Jaden, but there's, there's one right here. And if I take this, You know, and if I take yours or if I take this, I'm one step closer to winning. I have one space left and you'll have two. Without fail, she said, no, 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 no. You can have mine. You can have mine. I'm like, all right. I'm in it to win this, baby. So that's your deal, you know. If you want to be generous, that's all your deal because I'm in it to win it. And uh, despite my winning attitude, every time Jaden gives me hers, which means she has now three spaces to fill. I have one, and every time, she wins. Every time, those three will come up before the one that I need. Let me tell you, if you want to start winning in your finances, it is time for you to start living generously. Because the thing about a clenched fist is yes, it's holding what's in it, but it can't receive anymore. more. And many of you are going through life with a clenched fist in relation to your finances, in relation to your time, in relation to your possessions. And Jaden and the Lord want to say to me, live generously, live generously. Now, I know that all of my illustrations of late have been related to children's games, but you got to work with me because that's the, the, that's the world that I live in. So uh, the Lord just speaks to you in whatever world you live in, and I live in Zingoland. So there it is, all right? that's. Zingo and generosity. Now, one more thing, one more principle. I am running out of time, so I'm going to rush through this, all right? The third principle of of this freedom foundation of I have stewardship, God has ownership, is to live debt-free. Say, what? Have you lost it? Debt-free? Come on! Pastor, Didn't get enough sleep last night. Or he had a little little bit of too much something. I don't know what's going on. But he just said to live debt free. We live in a culture that asks how much per month. We live in a minimum payment culture. How much is this per month? And I would encourage you to stop asking how much is this per month. And just ask how much. And if you don't have that much. Then you don't get it. 40% 40% of Americans spend more than they earn because they're living on minimum payments. And God wants to set you free by living debt-free. Well, that's just an opinion. That's not really biblical. Proverbs 22.7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. You cannot experience financial freedom and be in debt because by virtue of being in debt, you are made a slave. And the only exception to that is a home. But I would love for you to pay off that home and pay it off early. But all this consumer debt, credit card debt, car debt. Some of you are like, I can't drive a car without payments. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. It will be an old, old beater. But people will just say, that car has Character. And trust me, if you have not named your car yet, it is not old enough, and you need to sell it and be debt-free. And then name your car Bertha, because it's a big old boat of a beater, all right? And it has 345,000 miles on it. You think I'm making these stats up. We had a car early in our marriage named Bertha, and it had 345,000 miles on it. That baby was awesome. But when we were debt-free and we bought a new car, I was ready to kick Bertha to the curb, buddy. I was like, get out of my life, you big gray beast. (laughs) And I was so happy to get rid of that. How many of you have experienced this? You get a thing in the mail, and it says, you know, zero interest for the first year. And uh, you you open it up, and you start reading the fine print, and you're like, $99 annual fee and 15.5 percentage, you know, APR. And and you're like, you know, I, know, I, I... I know this isn't a good thing, but I'm just going to sign up for this card, and I'm going to use it just for emergencies. You did it, too. And then it is amazing what qualifies as an emergency when you have a credit card in your pocket. You're like a Best Buy, and you're like, oh, the Bose system is on sale, and the sale ends tomorrow. Honey, honey. I promise you this is an emergency because I know I don't have a big screen TV yet, but one day I'm going to have a big screen TV, and if I have a big screen TV, i got to have surround sound, and Bose the best surround sound. The sale is tomorrow. It's an emergency. And so you get it. In October, the, it, it snows for the very first time, and so you get the kiddos out, and you get them all dressed up, and you realize that their snowsuit hits them at their shins. And you're like, that baby's going to be cold in the snow. You're like, oh, man, I didn't expect this. My children grew. I never saw this coming. Man, this is an emergency. And so you go out and you buy like a really nice snow suit. Your children can be styling and warm at the same time because you don't want them to be like rainbow bright, you know, snow kind of thing because then they'll have to go to therapy when they're older. And so you're like, man, this is an emergency. And then somewhere around a month later, November, Late November, you're, you're going through and you're like, you're like a Thanksgiving dinner and you're enjoying, you know, you're watching the Cowboys and they're losing and it's all good and, and all this stuff. And, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, Christmas is in December this year. Oh, no, I haven't bought the kids any plastic things. And I gotta buy them plastic things again to avoid therapy when they're older. Because if I don't buy them enough plastic things, then I'll be like a bad parent and all this stuff. And I gotta fill my living room with kitchens and dollhouses and all this kind of stuff that's in my living room. And you gotta fill it all this stuff up. And and so you go and you you put all of your Christmas on a credit card, and what was gonna be just for emergencies is all of a sudden maxed out with clothes and. Toys and plastic things. And you're like, man. And then, and then, and then Proverbs 22.7 comes. And you're like, that is so true. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Proverbs 21.20 says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but the foolish man devours all that he has. And debt is devouring all that you have. Let me tell you Amy and I's story, and then I'll be, I'll be done pretty soon. We're, we're, we're kind of coming into a landing, okay? That, that first announcement before you land, while, you, while you're coming into a descent, that's where we're at now, okay? And I love it when preachers say, I'm almost done, they preach an hour longer, okay? Let me tell you Amy and I's story. Early on in our marriage, we, we decided together that we were going to be out of debt, that we were going to live debt-free. And so we did our best to do that. Amy and I got married, and when Amy and I got married, we were over 48 Thousand dollars in debt, young couple in our twenties, and through consumer debt and school debt, forty-eight thousand dollars in debt right out of the chute, right off the bat. Great way to start a marriage, right? Living in the chains of debt. I was working this amazing eight dollars and fifteen cent job, and Amy was working this more amazinger, made up another word, amazinger job at nine dollars an hour. So let me tell you, we were bankrolling. I mean, we were killing it. That's sarcastic. <laughs> Eight fifteen and nine bucks an hour. All right, we weren't doing very good, but we had a goal. We said that we were going to be debt free by the time that Amy was thirty. Uh, that was seven years from the time that we got married. That seems like a million years ago. Uh, both of us just waved thirty. Goodbye a long time ago. Uh, but we had a goal to be debt-free in seven years. I mean, when you're making peanuts and you have $48,000 worth the debt staring you in the face, uh, seven years is a long-term plan. So we had, a, we had a goal, seven years. We beat our goal by three years. By three years, we paid off all $48,000 by working hard, working extra, refusing to go, go, refusing to go more into debt, and on, living within our means. We ate out less. We entertained ourselves for free at different city festivals or whatever, like the little free event section in the newspaper. That was our home. Okay? If it cost money, we didn't do it. We dropped the Internet in our house. And so if we wanted Internet, we had to go to the library, We did it. Don't tell me you can't do it. And it's going to be hard work, and it's going to require a lot. And some of you are like, man, you went to the library every time you needed internet access? Yeah, we did. In fact, during that period, Amy lost her job, her awesome $9 an hour job. She lost it. And she lost her job because her boss just lost it. Like her boss fired the whole company in one day. Weird, okay? And so like, wow, we don't have a job. Anymore, And neither does anyone else that worked at the company. And so Amy's job became eBay at the library to pay off our debt. And we did it. The last check that we paid off was our school loans. And we wrote one check for $26,000 and sent it to Sally Mae and popped her right in the face. It was awesome. (laughs) She never saw it coming, man. We were like, bam, take that. You know? Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. All right. Here's what that allowed us to do. Here's the freedom of, of debt-free living. It allowed us to pay for my master's degree up front, and I graduated my, my master's without debt. A couple of years ago, Amy was in a serious car accident. Her car was totaled, but we had been planning ahead to pay for a car. We knew that in several years we would need a new car, and so we were putting money aside every month to pay for a car. Amy was in a serious accident. By God's miraculous intervention, she came out with only minor injuries two days after she was in a, a car accident where our car was totaled. And the car, man, this was a sweet car too. It was a 2000 Civic. It didn't have electric anything. And and I mean anything, like windows, cruise control. It was like a car and that's it. And, uh, and so, but it was a sweet car. It only had 85,000 miles on it, which means it had like 200,000 left, you know, something like that. Honda's just run forever, totaled two days later, we're praising God for his, his provision over Amy's health, and we bought a car for $10,500 and paid cash. And it's the car that we're driving today that has four Apple stickers on the back. <laughs> so, and today, we don't, know, we don't owe anybody anything. It is a great place to be. And some of you want to live generously, but you're, you're buried in debt. If you become debt-free, it allows you to live out the generosity that God has placed in your heart. It opens up all kinds of possibility for you to take generosity to the next level. Romans 13.8, I promise you I'm almost done. Owe no one anything except love for one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Being debt-free allows you to absolutely unleash generosity in your life. God is a giver. When we give, we we allow him to mold his character into our heart. It is not about God needing more money. It is not about the church trying to get into my wallet. It is about you living financially free and walking in obedience and freedom in Christ. That's what it's about. Don't hear anything else this morning. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. I want you to experience freedom in Christ in every area of your life. And that includes your finances. And again, for some of you today, you're here and you don't know Jesus. And all of this is contingent upon faith in Christ, who himself is the freedom bringer. And if you're here today and you've not yet accepted him, I would invite you to do that. I would invite you to to pray out to him, invite him into your life, that you may come to know him, that you may experience his freedom, and that he might set you on this road to experiencing freedom in him. Freedom is simply not possible without the freedom bringer who is Christ. And so if you don't know him today, would you please respond to the working of the Holy Spirit in your life and come to know him. On your seats today are freedom cards. I believe that God has spoken to you, and I know that it was uncomfortable at points, and I know that I preached hard today about this topic, but I I, I preached hard because I believe it with all my heart. That when you live out generosity, when you're obedient by faith to tithe, and when you live debt free, you will experience a freedom in your finances that honors God and allows you to do things for his kingdom that you never dreamed possible. And so I believe that God has spoken to you and these cards are commitment cards. I want you to take a moment right now, right now to fill it out. Some of you today, I hope that you're accepting Christ. If you don't know him, I hope that that is your first step. There's a box there for you. I've accepted Christ today. By filling out that, by checking that box, you can expect a a follow-up call from us to celebrate this new decision with you. We want to resource you and give you some books. We want to give you a Bible and just some resources that will help you begin to walk on this road to freedom in Christ through faith. Uh, There's another box there that you're making a commitment to tithe and live in generosity. And uh, if that's you today and God has spoken to you, he's challenged you to begin to take that step of tithe, check that box. Some of you today are like, I've, the first step I've got to do is get out of debt. I've got to get out of debt. I'm buried in debt. It's killing me. It's stressing me out. And you want to you live out financial freedom through being debt free. And you're making a commitment today to God and to us to, do, to be able to do that. Then I would encourage you to check that box. I don't see people filling it out. Fill those cards out right now. Okay, if I get six of them back in through the offering plate, we will do it again next week. I promise you. All right. So fill that card out and drop it in the offering plate. If you don't want to do it right now and you don't want to drop it in the offering plate, there are some uh, boxes in the back. You can drop it in there, but we want to be able to get that from you. All right? So fill those cards out today. Also, if you have a prayer request and you're like, you know what? I'm committed to do this, but I need some prayer support on the way. I need some help up in here to be able to do this. You can write your request on the back of that card, and we'll have people praying for you as you walk through this process. Okay? So it's blank on the back, but if you have prayer requests that you need some help on the way, then we'd be happy to fill that out. Or we'd be happy to pray for you as you fill that out. Now, let me close with this. If Jesus has your all, he has your finances. The Bible says that you need to tithe. The Bible says that it is God's will for you to be debt-free and to live on what you make and to be a good steward of your money. It isn't about your money. It's about your heart. Does God have it all? Does God have it all? And for some of you, you need more resources. And there's this thing called Financial Peace University, which is phenomenal. Phenomenal. It's 13 weeks of financial training to help you get a handle on your finances. Start to finish, budget to investing, it covers it all. And we're going to begin a class at this church, March 21st. Uh, That's a Wednesday nights, 6.30 p.m. You can sign up today to be a part of that class. We would love for you to do that. It is a phenomenal class. It will change your life. Married couples, you are now all but required to take it. I can't require you to take it but I promise you it will help you get on the same page financially and it will change your marriage. Okay, this really is my last thought. Throughout this whole series, we have experienced a move of God in a powerful way. And we have experienced deliverance. We've been hearing stories of freedom. And uh, it is time to celebrate. The band is going to sing this song called Overcome. And in Christ, we are all overcomers. We are all victors because he is the victor.